Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Yes, the victory horns are back. And they're sounding for some hometown heroes. Cyril Gunn, Manon Fiore, Benoit Saint-Denis. Closing the show with big victories to cap off the UFC's return to Paris. And it is official, ladies and gentlemen. The best crowd of 2023 is what we just saw today. The Acker Arena in Paris. Absolutely on fire from moment one all the way through Cyril Gans. One-way destruction of Sergey Spivak in the main event. Crowd was absolutely on fire. We're here to talk all about it. Welcome to the UFC Paris post-fight show. We're live on the MA Fighting YouTube channel. I am Mike Heck, being joined by two of my favorites. First, Mr. Jose Young's getting ready to travel internationally to Sydney, Australia for UFC 293. How are we doing, Jose? 12, are we all packed? Are we ready to go? 12 hours from now, I will be 30,000 feet in the air on a Sunday, and I will land in Sydney, Australia on a Tuesday. Not fun. Ooh. <laughs> but looking forward to uh, some fist fighting action down under. Yes. And also joining us, Mr. Hot Take, Mr. No Gray Area. I'm sure he's got thoughts, opinions, takes as he always does. Mr. Jed Mishu. Hello, Jed. How are you? I mean, on the one hand, I would love to go to Australia. That sounds really fun. On the other hand, I don't want to go to Australia for this card. So <laughs> I'm of mixed emotions for you. I don't know how to feel for you. Uh, but this card, this card we just watched was fine, but that crowd was electric. Mike, best crowd of the year by far. Absolutely. And it made the event better than it actually was. So Jose, uh, let's begin with you. Cyril Gan bounces back, gets Sergey Spivak. And a lot of people look to this. This is a classic strike, striker versus grappler matchup. This is the definition of it. Sergey Spivak shot for a takedown in the first round after getting kind of battered up a little bit by Cyril Gunn, who was just moving around, just out-athleticing Sergey Spivak. And then 
Sergey went for a takedown and Cyril Khan just sprawled and laid on top of him and stood right up. And the look on Sergey Spivak's face, I typed literally into our private Slack channel, Sergey Spivak is screwed after that whole situation. It turns out about five minutes later, fight was over. Cyril Khan bounces back, big win, bounces back from the loss to John Jones. What did you make of Cyril Ghosn's performance in front of his home crowd? I mean, he essentially pitched a perfect game. Uh, like you said, he he showed off enough as, aspects of his game that showed improvements. Like I said in the preview show that this fight could go any sort of direction just because obviously I think Cyril Ghosn's the better fighter than Sergey Spivak, but Spivak's strengths are Cyril Ghosn's weaknesses, and that's obviously the grappling and uh, wrestling department. Obviously, when Cyril Ghosn fought Francis Ngannou, I can't imagine he thought Francis would rely on such a wrestling-heavy attack. So don't know how much wrestling he did in camp. And then good luck anyone in the world beating John Jones because he's just the greatest fighter of all time. So I would imagine Cyril Ghosn spent a lot of time wrestling, like he said he was going to do after he lost to John Jones because he never really did much of that in camp when you know he was fighting Jairzinho and Volkov and Derek Lewis and Junior Dos Santos, like these guys that probably aren't shooting for double legs or single legs too often. So uh, clearly when the first when Sergey shot for that first takedown, grabbed a leg, and Sergon basically jumped out of it, like just jumped out of it and landed on Sergey Spivak. I was like, well, this fight is pretty much over at this point because that was Sergey's best shot. They were still dry. It was against the fence, and Sergon just, I mean, who would have thought being a freak athlete would be the best base for MMA in the heavyweight division? Uh, yeah, it was a wrap. It was a perfect game, great crowd, great reception great performance this is exactly what Cyril Ghosn needed I said it was like similar to like when Derek Lewis's last performance he just needed a perfect performance that got people talking that's exactly what Cyril Ghosn did in Paris today Jed listening to No Bets Bard when you and GC were talking about this fight you guys said probably within like the first three minutes we we would know exactly how this fight was going to play out and I think that's kind of what happened here but at the same token because of how this all played out Jed what did you take away the most from this? Like, did you learn anything truly new about Cyril Ghosn in this one? Because it was kind of a, it wasn't a great shot from Sergey Spivak. He didn't come out with i I'm just going to tackle you right away. I'm going to try to stand with you. Maybe try to throw you off your game a little bit. And Cyril's like, okay, I'll do this. So like, what did you take away the most from this performance? I learned that my priors were correct about Sergey Spivak. I learned nothing about Cyril Ghosn. This was the outcome that I felt was by far the most likely, but I had like some trepidation just because statistically Cyril Ghosn is really bad at defending takedowns. He has uh, that number will improve from this outing, depending on how many Spivak gets credited with, but it was like 40% takedown defense coming into this fight. And like, look, stats are have a lot of issues with them in general particularly given his sample size but still basically the only two dudes who ever tried to take him down did so well and so i had some concern that like maybe this dude truly just does not understand wrestling <laughs> and spivak is good enough and has been a very effective like clinch takedown artist that if something happens i can't be shocked but i thought that this was the most likely outcome because uh there are two cheat codes in, in, in MMA. The biggest one is athleticism. And at heavyweight, it's the one that matters by far the most. And they they were playing in different sports. Like, show that to someone who knows nothing about fighting. They'll be like, yeah, those two, those two dudes are not the same. 
Like, I don't need to see that one of them's hitting the other one. The way that he is simply moving around as if Sergei Spivak is stuck, buried in mud is uh, clearly he is going to win a fight here. So, uh, yeah, I, I learned nothing about Khan. I suspect that we will learn more about him when he does fight Tom Aspinall, but I am. I thought that there was a world where maybe, maybe we're all underestimating Sergey Spivak. He's been on a good little run here. Granted, he hasn't beaten anybody good, but like still twenty-eight. Maybe, maybe he's gonna be something. Nope, nope. It's just who he is, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, top twelve heavyweight in the world. But that's that's my biggest takeaway. So Jose Jed mentioned it. Tom Aspinall did what he said he was gonna do after his. Recently went over Marching Tybor. I'm going to fly to Paris. I'm going to sit in the crowd and watch Cyril Gunn, Sergei Spivak fight. And I'm going to fight the winner. Now, Aspinall has already kind of run over Sergei Spivak. So I don't know if the appetite would have really been there for that one. But I think this is the result that Tom was kind of hoping for, that he could fight a guy who has won an interim title and has fought for the heavyweight title on two different occasions, Jose. So Sergey Pavlovich is there. We got Jelton getting ready to fight Curtis Blades. Like this, John Jones getting ready to fight Stipe. There's a lot going on here at heavyweight. Are we doing, in your opinion, Cyril Gunn, Tommy Aspinall? Is that the fight to make? Or do we got to wait a little bit and just see how this all plays out over the next few months? I mean, it's, that's probably going to happen, especially if they want to do another big fight night in Europe. Um, I mean, Mr. Mr. London main event versus Mr. Paris main event would just make sense to do it in Europe and all Europe uh big heavyweight tilt would be awesome to witness so obviously the ufc will probably put it somewhere like minneapolis for whatever reason um but i don't <laughs> I, if it's a, if you're asking me what i would do um i'm i've also i'm also working under the assumption that the winner of like especially if john jones wins wins which i think he will um and John Jones either vacates the belt or retire and Stipe retires and there's a vacant belt i would personally like to see pavlovich versus tom aspinall uh, and I would do Cyril Gone versus the winner of Jailson Almeida versus Curtis Blades, um, just because Cyril's 0-2 in big, you know, undisputed heavyweight title fights, and Pavlovich and uh, Tom Aspinall have not had the opportunity to fight for that yet. Pavlovich is weighing in again as a backup, so I'm going to assume he's one half of the main event of any vacant heavyweight title fight, and I just would like a fresh face up there. So I would say Tom Aspinall, Pavlovich main event, Cyril gone versus the winner of Jonathan Almeida, Curtis Blades. So that's just what I would do anyway. But I'm not going to try to pretend I know anything about the UFC matchmaking because they, we ask for all kinds of things and they never work out. Jed, what do you think happens here? Because despite, look, I, Michael, pe people feel about Michael Bisping as a commentator and as a post-fight interviewer, however they want. But yeah, I, it, he, he was bad. not great tonight. But he has not been great least, in like two years. But in this case, he's in the cage talking to Cyril Gunn, who's coming off this big win, and he does exactly what he should do. Hey, see that guy right there? That's Tom Aspinall. He called you out. He came here to watch you fight. Any interest in fighting him? Cyril Gunn completely no-sells him, and it's just basically the answer is, listen, I just want to get back to the belt, and whatever I need to do to get to the belt, that's what I'm going to do. So I, I immediately heard that and was like, huh, that's kind of interesting. I'm surprised he just completely no-sold this idea. What did you think of that? Just no-selling Tom Aspinall altogether. Was that smart in your opinion? Uh, no, I would also, I 
one of my issues with with Bisping, I think he is better at post fights, is than doing his live commentary. But one of my issues is he just like he is doing exactly that. He's feeding narratives, and I know that like the UFC probably wants that, but that's not really what should be happening. Like let the fighters create the narratives that they want to create. Don't, you don't have to insist on them uh, because I mean, sure. We think it makes sense. And Tom Aspinall wants this. And I guess the UFC wants it, but like Cyril Ghosn doesn't seem to give a shit about it. So we don't really need to be like, Hey, this, this is undeniable. You have to, there are plenty of other dudes. Tom Aspinall could fight. So he just doesn't seem to care about it. Um, I suspect he doesn't care because he's going to get tuned up if he does take that fight. But uh, I'm not entirely surprised because his whole demeanor heading into fight week was, dude, I, I don't need to have a face-off with Tom Aspinall in the cage after UFC Paris. Like, he's he is not he's concerned about doing him and not giving any ancillary shine anywhere else. And maybe that's good. Maybe that's bad for him promotionally. I'm, I'm honestly not sure. Uh, but... I, I am not shocked that he didn't take the low hanging fruit because it, he could easily be like, actually, I'd really love to face Jailton Almeida next. Like you guys say, I can't defensively grapple. If he beats Curtis blades, let me fight that dude. And I'll show you that. So not shocked. Uh, and I don't care enough. Fair enough. Uh, to Bisbee's defense, he's got the earpiece. They're telling him essentially like what to say and what to ask. So yeah, it's kind of the I get thing. I get I get that they're doing it, but that part just rubs me the wrong way. Like that's the fighter's time to do something, not your time to be like, hey, here's here's what you're supposed to say. Say it. Like if you guys want them to do that, talk to them backstage and it, it, put them through media classes and be like, hey, here's where we want you to go with your career. If you win, here's what you should do. Not we're gonna ham fistedly have Michael Bisping try to real time put words <laughs> in your mouth because it doesn't come off smoothly. <laughs> Uh, well, one thing UFC told Cyril Gon after the victory was you got yourself $50,000 because he got himself a bonus. Uh, Morgan Sherriar got a bonus. One day I'm going to pronounce that correctly. Uh, fight of the night. No surprise. Benoit Santini versus Tiago Moises. Uh, those are your bonuses for UFC Paris. We will talk about Benoit Santini and what he accomplished tonight in a moment, but, uh, let's talk about the co-main event. Jed, we'll begin with you. Manon Fioro versus Rose Namajunas. I believe you had a bet on Rose Namajunas. I picked Rose to win. Casey picked Rose to win. It just was a value pick more than anything. And I think kind of you and I were in the same line of thinking here, that if Rose is going to move up to 125, she's going to take the time to do it and accept this fight. She is going to be ready to go. She's going to be focused, chip on her shoulder and everything. And even if she had that tonight, Jed, it just didn't seem like it was enough. Manning kind of pushed her around a little bit. She was just bigger. She was stronger. And Rose didn't really, she didn't really, she, she had some moments in the fight. I thought if you're going to give her a round, it's the third. And the two judges who scored it for Rose, uh, who scored a 29-20 Fioro, gave Rose the third round. But what was your biggest takeaway from Fioro's win over Rose Namajunas? Was it more on the man inside or on the Rose side? Well, first of all, the most important thing is that Brock Bowers just scored the first touchdown of UGA football season. So let's go, baby. Go dogs. Second, uh, my biggest takeaway on this fight that we're supposed to be talking about, not the UGA football game that's going on right now, is 
Uh, remember earlier when I said there are like two cheat codes in MMA and one of them's athleticism. And it's the biggest one, particularly heavyweight. I think I haven't done, I haven't crunched the numbers, but I'm starting to believe that the biggest cheat code, particularly in the lightest weight classes is less athletic, less athleticism, though that is very important. And just being a hoss. If you are just a sturdy, immovable human being at lighter weight classes, uh, that is a very, very strong weapon to employ. And that's what we saw. Like, uh, this doesn't need to be that everybody dunk on Jamal Hill for his bad takes contest because Jamal Hill had a really bad take being like, <laughs> roast, piece, roast piece Fuero up, and he got dunked on by basically everybody on Twitter as a result of it. He's, like, almost right. He's not right. She didn't – she did not – like tune up Fioro in any way and she didn't win the fight, but you could see that she's better at fighting. Like she is better at the composite pieces of fighting. She cut more angles. She had much more diversity to her attacks. She was slipping. Her defense was much, had much more layers and depth as opposed to engage or disengage. Like she is better at the pieces of it, but she, there was too big a gap between them physically for her to generate the kind of offense that that was meaningful. Like she would land shots and Furo would eat them fine. Uh, and there was really no issue there. Furo never hurt her either, but the damage accumulation, like at the end of the first round, they landed pretty even amount of shots and Rose's face is jacked up because she's getting hit by somebody who has 10 pounds of muscle on her and is a hoss. And so it just is sort of how that fight, immediately in that fight i thought man rose might be able to win like she's she has a, a an edge in skill here and maybe she can parlay that into a victory and in the third round she came out well i still scored that round for fuero but i was doing live vlogging so like i'm i'm not married to that decision but she just she couldn't hurt fuero and when she got hit it it showed it 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 moved her body physically more she has no future at this weight class unless she really puts on like a, a lot of actual muscle to to compete here at the at the upper end of it and so that and uh also i did not realize that trevor whitman wasn't going to be coaching her had i known this and had i known that this was a pat berry show i probably wouldn't have felt as confident in my rose Namunas pick coming into this fight hand up i i missed that one i think most people missed that one because that's probably been the biggest question i've been getting is where the hell was trevor whitman on this fight and who knows at this point? Trevor's not a guy that does a lot of media. Maybe he'll comment about it on social media, but glaring hole in the corner. I know for Rose's fight with Carla, Trevor was there, but he wasn't saying anything. He was just kind of there while Pat Berry was shouting out the instructions, and we know how that fight went. And tonight, no Trevor Whitman whatsoever. What was? You, what did you think of the fight, Jose? I know like you didn't get to watch it all, but... What did you think of Manon's performance? And because I, I I feel like this is going to be more about Rose losing than Manon winning. I think mm -hmm. Rose losing mm -hmm. is going to get more of the headlines. So, mm -hmm. what, what did this performance do for Manon? Because she called for the title shot. Erin Blanchfield beat Tyler Santos last week. Seems to be a two horse race between these two ladies at this point. We get the rematch for the title between Grasso <clears throat> and Shevchenko coming up in two weeks. Who's ahead now after this win? Well, in terms of how the fight played out, um, none of you guys are on the preview show with AK and Casey and I, and this went exactly as I said. Rose is, <laughs> without question, the better martial artist all around. Like, 
cuts better angles, has better striking, has better grappling, everything. She's just fighting a bigger woman. And that's the, that was going to be the deciding factor. There's a reason when fighters move up in weight, they tend to start lower on the totem pole and work their way up. Every now and then you get someone like Jessica Andrade who just eats Callum Chikagian's liver in their first fight and gets thrust into a title fight. But like you saw with Dustin Poirier and any a lot of other guys that move up in weight, they start outside the top 15 or on the out like right at the 15 rank and then work the way up so by the time they get to the top five of the division their body is used to it rose just looks like a straw weight that just did, stopped cutting weight she didn't look like a flyweight like man and man was very clearly bigger in terms of who's ahead between her and aaron blanchfield um i would say it depends on who wins between valentina and alexa grasso and it depends on where the ufc is going to go with these fights geographically if Valentina wins, uh, obviously a man in Valentina, uh, Valentina fight somewhere in Europe would probably be a really popular idea because they both have ties to those regions. And then if Alexa wins, if they want to do another May card, a Cinco de Mayo card um, in Newark or the New York area, that's where Aaron Blanchfield is from. I would imagine that's what they would do. So I just think if who's ahead, I think Aaron Blanchfield is ahead. I think she has more... I think she, I think Aaron Blanchfield is ahead, but I'm not, I have no confidence in saying that. Neither woman blew the doors off or had like this super impressive uh, performance. Aaron Blanchfield beat Tyler Santos, someone that almost beat Valentina, and Manon Pharrell beat a strawweight that was unranked at flyweight. Neither was an overly impressive performance, so I, I just think Aaron's ahead, maybe a step ahead, and it's just going to depend on who wins and where they go geographically. Cause that seems to be how the UFC makes decisions these days. Jed, where does Rose Namajunas go from here? It's tough to go back to 115 with the way things are playing out right now. 125 is crazy town. What happens? I don't know. Uh, on what Jose said, I agree in large part. I will say, I think if Valentina wins, uh, they're, at this point, they will just run the trilogy now. I, I was skeptical of that, sure. but I think if she wins now, they're just going to do that as a three match, and we'll get Aaron versus Furo for a number one contenders fight. You know, sometime in the similar time frame there. So that's my guess. As far as Rose, that's why I didn't like this fight. Uh, I thought this fight like was fine, um, but the downside of it's really bad for Rose because I what is her career at this point? Um, probably does just go back to 115 i don't it didn't look to me like she like really put on weight to move up like like jose said looked like she was a straw weight who didn't cut so she can go back but and you know if it's hey i just wanted to try and see and now i'm going to go back okay but that moving weight classes is a desperate move and i said this before it's like it's a thing you do when you're out of options and you don't know how else to get back to the title etc that's not where rose was <laughs> Rose lost the fight in like the belt in an awful fight, but she had two wins over the current champion and would just needed like a win at strawweight and would be right back in contention. So I don't know what like what this was about because it wasn't about winning because she was never gonna beat the top of the if she can't beat Manon Furo, she can't beat the other people in this weight class. So I don't know. I guess she goes back to 115 or she should do the thing she should have done at first and just go back to the farm. You are happy on the farm. Continue to do that. America needs plenty of farmers out there. And that's, that's a good life too. And you don't have to do this. Yeah. It's going to be real interesting to see what she does. Cause if she stays at 125, who's she going to fight? Natty ice. Like, is that, 
kind of her future is fighting somebody like that at this point uh no i mean like maybe you just give her i'd watch other, like, i'd watch the hell out of that fight i think you give her the like her chukagian you know like you do the older hands at the weight class and see if she can yeah. succeed against somebody like that or or Barber? no Barbara just had surgery. She's out. Oh, no. did she? Yeah. We, I don't care what happens in November. Can we just do the trilogy? Can we just do the Rose Jessica Andrade trilogy? We could do it at 125. We could do it at 115. For the love of God. Can or we just do that? Isn't Jessica Andrade matched up already? Right. But yeah, she's fighting Mackenzie Dern. But Let's have her fight the loser of that. Yeah. Just no, fight, have yeah, her fight, fight her management. Fight <laughs> Jessica Andrade wants to fist fight her management for continuing to roll her into fight. Like she's trying to get six fights in this year and she keeps getting her ass beat. What are we doing? <laughs> so dumb. Oh, it's so dumb. It's got to be real interesting at 125. It's going to be real interesting to see where Rose Namius is going to go. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. And boy, is it going to be real interesting to see where Benoit Santanee goes. Man, what a first round between him and Tiago Moises. He just laid the wood on Tiago Moises. Until like the last 50 seconds of the first round and Moises started landing some big shots and things are getting real fun. And then round two happens and BSD just mowing down Tiago Moises just looks so much more physical, just looks so much bigger in there. Like Tiago looked like a bantamweight compared to Benoit Santini. It was crazy. But now since moving back to his natural weight class at 155, Benoit Santini is 4-0, four finishes, and now he takes on a perennial top 20 guy and just mows him down. Impressive performance. I think he opened up a lot of eyes, Jose. What -hmm. did you make of Benoit Santini today? That was some performance, was it not? That dude just secretes violence. Um, (laughs) It just felt like anything he wanted to do, and props to Thiago Moises. He was in there fighting back as long as he could until his body just gave out on him. I thought he was cooked at the end of that round. And then he had that flurry that I don't want to say it rocked uh, Benoit saint but like he was very clear, like, oh, he's still throwing. So maybe I shouldn't just rush in. Um, Smart move too. Um, That dude is, he is now appointment. His next fight will be appointment viewing. Uh, Everyone in the MMA landscape that knew about him, like, this was one of those fights they circled. Now it doesn't matter where or who he fights next. People are going to tune in to watch that dude get covered in blood, either his own or someone else's blood. Yeah, he secretes violence, and he is going to be a lot of fun to watch moving forward, especially if he stays a lightweight. How excited are you? Because, Jed, you, you, you and I are on the same page. Lightweight is the best division in the sport. 
Bantamweight is very good. Oh, my. I've been, I've been hammering yeah, that. You, you've, been that too. you've been that way as well. You've been that way as well. We've we've argued with people in Boston about this as well. Uh, but, Jed, you, <laughs> I mean, lightweight. Now we have this guy. We have this guy now added to the mix. And he may not even – he might be one of the 15 best lightweights in the world. He's probably He may not have that number next to his name after this performance, although – He's probably going to end up in my rankings on the MMA Fighting Global rankings after what he did today. How excited are you to see this guy start taking on dudes with numbers next to their names? Because there's some fun fights for that guy. Dude, he's super fun. I'm pulling up my rankings now to see. Yeah, he's probably going to make it into mine. Um, he's probably going to slide into the 15 spot after this. Uh, again, being a hoss, Mike. He's just, he was just a gigantic human being in there against Jacob Moises, who's been a, you know, top 25, top 30 lightweight for a long time, just hanging around, being real good. And BSD was just like, sup, bro. Uh, wicked kicks, just, just a violent, violent dude. He's awesome. Uh, I don't know if this makes sense, like, you know, promotionally or where they're going. That's for you to decide, Mike. You have a great program on this, this very website, this very podcast network. Uh, but what I think we should do is we should call up Matt Favola and we should just let the chaos ensue. Just let these two dudes hit each other and see what happens. Cause it will be violent and awesome. So Madison uh, square yeah, garden, it's got UFC 295. That is, that's exactly the fight to make. Spoiler yeah, this, alert. That is the exactly and this guy the rules. <laughs> Like yeah. this guy's really fun. And like, that's, that's the thing. There's some other fighters you could talk about on the fight card. And like, I know that this is pedantic and kind of disrespectful in some ways. And I, it's just who I am. Like <laughs> you choose who you want to be as a fighter and you can choose to be Taylor Lapalus, you know, or, or you can choose to be Benoit Saint-Denis. Like you, this is a choice you can make. Um, what was, or I'm sorry, William Gomi was like the bad one. It's like, yeah, don't Lapalus be William Gomi. Lapalus, sorry, I was, the too many Frenchmen. And I, it was hard. Uh, don't be William Gomi, be Benoit Saint-Denis. Like just be a dude who's going to come and get rugged with it. And like, it's just way cooler because you're probably not going to make it to the belt because no one reasonably is ever going to make it to a title. It's impossible to win a belt, but at least be fun as hell while you're in there to get down. And that's BSD is every time. He's always a good time. Uh, and yeah, like Jose said, dude's going, dude's going to become real popular if he keeps this up. Yeah. What a performance him and Frivola is going to be fun beard two good beards just going after it, two crazy fun fighters getting after it. Do it at MSG. Favola would love that. He's been calling for MSG and fight, wanting to fight somebody on that card for so long. Uh, I love that match. If he's willing to turn around that quick, let's freaking do it. Uh, Volkan Ozdemir getting a submission. People just ripping up their betting tickets all over the place. Volkan gets his first submission. What a, du what a dirt bag. <laughs> what an absolute <laughs> dirt bag move. The second sub ever. Was this was this the fight that GC was like, I might uh, take a little shot at that sub prop, and you're like, well, don't do it because it's going to lose? I don't think was this was fight? it. No, okay. it couldn't be it. Because no, he hadn't, his first submission was like the his second fight or whatever. It's the only submission he had in his career because I was on the TKO prop. So I was like, Bogdan isn't very good. I watched him fight. He, he's not good. I don't know what Bisping was talking about. Like, this guy has the look of a guy who could come in here and do like, no, he actually looks awful. 
and Vulcan's going to win. And then he taps him and it ruined my betting ticket. Mike is very upset. Uh, Morgan Charrier kicked off the main card. Nasty body kicks. Gets the TKO win at 3 minutes 51 seconds. Sent the crowd into a frenzy. That. Look, none of us. That. Casey was there. K bring in Casey. Casey, I don't know Casey. where they are. Casey was at Paris? No. You were there? You were there you on the preview show. No, he was there for the preview show. What, how, you were there, and I paused the preview show to basically just talk about that fight. And I was like, I am more excited for this fight than any other fight outside the top two fights. Casey was like, you sold me on it. Casey, yep. did it deliver? Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah. Dude, Sherry is, yes. Sherry is Morgan funny. Sherry no, yeah, no, was no, like, yeah. that Good was job. the fight I like circled, and I was like, if you're watching one fight outside of the top two, Watch Morgan Sharia fight. That dude is super fun, is super popular. He has a massive audience, and I think the UFC is going to have has. I'm not calling him like a Sean O'Malley superstar, but if they go anywhere in Europe, stick him on that card, and he's going to have fans flock to him. That was such an awesome performance. Like when he kicked Manolo, like his body left the ground, like he was like punching a football. <laughs> That was an unbelievable performance, and man, I was nervous because I, I, when I tell people to watch one fight, it oftentimes doesn't work out. Sometimes it works out. It's like I said, there are three fights that I have ever prayed to, like, the fight gods for in my entire life. There are three. They were MVP and Paul Daly didn't work out. They were Brian Ortega and the Korean Zombie didn't work out, and it was Nick Diaz, Robbie Lawler too. Very sad. So when I was like, Morgan Charrier is the guy to watch, I was a little nervous, and he delivered with flying colors. Yeah, nasty performance. It was a really good matchup it, for him, too, which is the nice. The second body kick is chef's kiss. Like it's, the first oh. one that crumples him up, and he's falling and gets up, and then just, just like goes right back to it like a punch. Oh, oh that's, <laughs> that's the good stuff, baby. That's what you feet, both feet were off. Both of Manolo's feet was off the ground. Like he was in the air, like getting punted. It was unbelievable. It was. Yeah. That's some good stuff, man. <laughs> and you know, it's wild. The most boring fight on the main card uh, ended up delivering the more memorable kick from William Gomi yeah. to Giannis Gamori. Oh, yeah. Just Jose, what did you think of this? Because if you guys didn't see it, William Gomi has added to this list that we've had over the last few weeks of shots to the ding ding that are like on the border on the borderline of like is it or is it not and the referee's just like okay do you want to go do you want to go and like no one said anything and he's just like all right i'm stopping the fight and it was ruled a tko like what this is so i, I had no idea what was happening until people like who are yeah. rewinding it and watching it really closely were telling me. So this was just so bizarre, wasn't it? It was very bizarre. And I'm very happy. Like, I'm not happy it happened, but I'm thankful that it happened in, of all the main card fights, this one probably had the lowest stakes in terms of like hype and title contention and name value. So if there was going to be one, one mess, it, I it, I'm glad it was on this card. But yeah, it was bizarre because even Giannis was like, he seemed very confused about what was happening. And then I can't imagine what was happening to the fans in attendance because like us is when we were watching through the television, the, the commentators did their best to try and figure out what was going on. If I'm in attendance and 
Will and Gomi does that and they call the fight and everyone seems confused. I'm pissed. Uh, luckily, you know, everyone was still high on that Morgan Sharde uh, fight. And this was probably felt like a bathroom break fight. Uh, I honestly, good placement, honestly, before the, the chaos of the top three fights, top four fights started. Yeah. Confusing all around. Don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Cause I can't say I agree or disagree. Cause it just felt like such a bizarre turn of events. I have. Yeah. It was bizarre is the word I would say. Yeah, if I'm Gamori's team, I am appealing this. It may not go oh, yeah. anywhere, but you absolutely have to appeal it. Uh, what did you think of this, Jed? Right call? I mean, did, was it low? Was it not? Like, And then just how the referee handled it. How do you grade it? It's just, it's weird. Like, I knew it was happening the whole time, um, and I get it. Uh, if This feels like a situation that just is going to occur. Uh, at some points and we can't just like be too upset because the ultimate end result is there's going to be an appeal process. It'll get overturned to a no contest. And sometimes you're going to have things like this in a perfect world. The ref, like at a very baseline, the referee in real time, who is the arbiter of things that are illegal or fair, believed that that kick was, was a fair kick. And so uh, not once, but twice implored both fighters to continue and the one dude turned around and walked away. And so that, by definition, is, hey, he's not willing to fight. I have told them, though, the fight is legal. Continue. He turned around and walked. That's that's him quitting. The fight is stopped. Pretty reasonable. And, un like, it, it is very obvious that neither dude really registered what he was saying. And so the best, the best answer would have been, like, hey, stop. I said the fight is on can fight each other and then if they continue to not then you can call it but you know that's not what happened and we end up with this result uh i think the attitude is correct if the even if the outcome was poor like the idea of that that a lot of fans and seems to sort of be a a, a thing here is oh well it was pretty clearly a low kick and so you should stop the fight he didn't think it was. And if he's the referee and did not believe that that kick was illegal, that's correct. Like the way he handled it should be how it goes. It shouldn't be, well, I'm going to stop and defer. And we've seen Herb Dean and a lot of people, oh, he's acting like he got poked in the eye, blah, blah, blah. There, there is no way to make up for this that way. Like if the dude's just game in the system. So I think his heart was probably in the right place. The execution was really poor. Uh, but ultimately we're going to get, this will get overturned to a no contest and it's unfortunate but it's not the end of the world and sometimes weird things are going to happen when people are fist fighting that's just the name of the game uh taylor laplace gets the win over kyle and lochran shout out to kyle lochran for i mean putting the spotlight on these prelims i mean that dude should We're get here. a bonus just for making it interesting and the walkout to no music was incredible even if it was a mistake because there happened to be music at the end of the walkout so i don't know if like he planned it that way but geez louise was that fun more people need to do that if you're trying to be the villain do that that was that was very very well done it's a shame that you lost because that was great yeah he walked out and just like stared each fan in the eyes like had his back to the oct it was great it was great uh angelusa reese mckee crazy fight uh angelusa gets the win this was kind of like on the surge of really bizarre scorecards because yeah, apparently a judge thought Reese McKee didn't win that third round, which is yeah. 
weird, super weird. Yeah. Uh, Reese McKee remains winless in the inside the octagon. That's crazy. But that was a that feels like they just wrote the scorecard and just mailed it in before the round was over. Like ah. Yeah, Steve Rita. We're good. Is it Steve Rita from Massachusetts just putting out scorecards even though there's a finish in the round? Come on now. Uh the Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. The other fight, Nora K- K- uh, Cornell versus Jocelyn Edwards. Three- oh. When I heard, when I heard Jose, 30-27, 30-27, 29 I'm like, all right, Jocelyn Edwards clearly won this fight. And here's here's what I put on Twitter: like 29-28, but 30-27 wouldn't surprise me. I'm not saying that Nora winning is like egregious. I'm not saying that because it was a close fight. But to say that Jocelyn Edwards did not win a single round in that that's fight, insane. that is egregious. 30-27 is awful, Jose, isn't it? Yeah. That's a that, terrible card. That's real bad. That's about as bad as you can get. Um, again, thank God it wasn't in a super high stakes fight near the top of the card. I'm not am I crazy in the fact in the sense that like I scored at 30-27 for Jocelyn? Like I thought she won all. I think there is a very real world that she won all three rounds. So the fact that two of the judges thought she lost all three rounds was I, when they, I, I'm with you. When they announced 30, 27, 30, 27, I was like, oh, Jocelyn won. And then when they announced Nora's name, I was like, I don't know about that fight. Don't really care to watch that fight over again and see if I was wrong. But in the moment, I was pretty confident Jocelyn had won. What do you think, Chad? Weird one. Yeah, thirty twenty seven uh, is bad. It's 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 just if you wanted to do thirty twenty seven Edwards, that is much better than thirty twenty seven. I had it twenty nine twenty eight. I didn't think I I, I gave the second round to Cornell, but uh, I think that that there's a much better argument that Edwards won the second round than there is that Cornell won the third round, if nothing else. So, oh, for uh, sure, super weird really really bad scorecard um odd that all of them were in agreement you know just just some home cooking that's 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 why you hold events in 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 a country get a little home cooking going your way so uh like jose said not to be super boring uh i'm not gonna watch this back to see if i care to change my mind and thank goodness it happened in a fight that no one's really all that upset about and as Jose didn't say, the most important thing here 
is the universe evens itself out because Jocelyn Edwards took a stone cold robbery <laughs> off true. Lucy Pudilova, and so now she loses a probable robbery here, and that's the way the world balances itself out over time. So when am yes. I gonna when am I gonna get my four BTL wins back from Jed? That's a, that's, Look, I'm not. Or I'm better not yet, that. or better yet, when when do I get my win back from BC? He literally didn't give an answer, and the race still going for him. It's really true. Uh, that that's like is, that's, that's that's like the most egregious robbery. Yeah, in that's like a fighter saying, "I'm just not going to fight the the last round," and then getting a thirty twenty seven. There is just chaos outside of my house right now. Thank we have God. we're getting like the all the roofs are getting replaced, and then they chose like right now seven o'clock on a Saturday. Uh, let's just turn the radio up full <clears> blast. Let's uh let's clean up the driveway. Like let's, let's blast the leaf blower. Even though I, it's just it's. I'm always... just glad. I'm just glad that someone is actually working on your house because my parents have been trying to redo their roof, and as you guys know how contractors are, they'll go about three weeks without showing up. So props yeah. to you for finding but, anyone that will show up. So I live in a like a detached townhouse and we're forced to get it done, even though our roof is in like ah. decent shape. They're like they're just coming to do the roofs and you can't park in your driveway. You can't even park near the house for the next two weeks. Uh, and we're just like, OK, oh, yeah. And by the way, you got to pay all this money for it on top of it. So you're welcome. Uh, Did they, but yes, this work pre or post hurricane. Oh, it started before the hurricane, and then That's they took good. two days off because of the hurricane that didn't hit us. Never does. And you'll nope. get, you'll here get we are on a Saturday. Never comes through. I mean, this better be the cleanest driveway I've ever seen with all this noise going on. We did find like a dozen nails in the driveway the other day, which is super fun. Um, so maybe this is a good sound for all of us. Uh, Jacqueline Cavalcante gets a win, and Fareed Basharat, speaking of mm -hmm. fun fighters with bright futures, just... Clayton Rodriguez had nothing for this man. The Basharad bros, they are a problem at 135. Uh, Casey, come on in. That is a very, very brutal t-shirt. <laughs> or sleeveless shirt, I should say. Wow. Oh, God. Wow. Holy Holy. Boy. Too soon? A little bit. I mean, I love it, but it's... It's a statement. Cliff was Cliff was sleeping in Kirk's bed that day too. So if anything, it would have been Kirk if you know Cliff wasn't asleep. What a what, what wow! So people uh, yeah. just listening. Casey's wearing a shirt that said it should have been Lars, which is insane. I mean, it's a statement. Saying, if, if you had an option, I mean, I don't want any of them to die. No one <laughs> wants any to die. No, no one says that. But you no, know, if you had to choose, you know, just, just... Uh, no maybe we can <laughs> choose some questions and change the subject. <laughs> I didn't buy it. Oh, right. well, fair. Okay, you're wearing it. <laughs> <clears throat> Uh, Jed, I'll start with you. Did Gotten's wrestling defense level up or is Sergey that no. bad? I don't, I mean, maybe it leveled up. We just don't have any idea. Uh, yeah. Sergey didn't do anything to give us any sense of what happened. He didn't ever get close to anything. Like if, if Gon had really like, Hey, look at him. He sprawled and turned the corner and got like, no, he had like one sprawl the whole time. And it was from a shot that was not like a deep power talk. It was basically Sergey just bent over at the waist and ran at him. Like 
No, we have no idea. Maybe it leveled up. We just have no clue. I yeah. think it leveled up. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and level it up. Could be. I'm gonna I go. think it leveled up from zero to one. No. I, I know. I just be being yeah, that's just you. me being yeah. a curmudgeon. <laughs> yeah. Cyril, I mean, like I said, I can't imagine Cyril did that much wrestling before the Francis fight. And if you look at everyone else he beat, they're not big wrestlers. So I just think he had a game plan for Sergey and it was a bunch of defensive wrestling and they were still dry and so the fact that he yeah. literally jumped out of a takedown was very impressive. I would have been curious to see if the fight lasted longer if Sergey ever got a hold of him, but he didn't. Sergey. Sergey and I also, and I also think that Cyril's <clears throat> defensive grappling and his defensive wrestling, the lack of it was kind of overblown because of the John yeah. fight, and people just don't understand. I agree. Like, it's like people don't for they just forget how good John is, that he's the arguably the greatest fighter to ever fight. And John is a very good grappler and a very athletic dude. And he could do that to pretty much anybody he wants to. And, so and, to compare Sergey Spivak to John Jones is like, it's, it, it's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous comparison. Yeah. So you, you have, you have, you only have to have gone facing Spivak. You know, you have to worry about certain things. When you face John Jones, you have to worry about everything. Including, you know, it's freaking John Jones and it's a title fight and it's 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 a giant deal. And Surogan, he shit the bed that night. He did not shit the bed tonight, you know. I'm not saying John yeah. Jones wins every time against Gone that easily. Nah. But you know, everything went perfect for John that night, everything went horrible for Gone that night. And um I just think we I think you know, Gone's trying to write the ship a little bit and um yeah, it's a great performance. Yeah. Is as Gone it has gone eliminated that kind of was did he have a boring fighter label on him or is that mm -hmm. gone is that is that, is that well, gone he, gone couple of fights. he had a he he was like i think there were two fights in a row in the i it was like a combination thing it was two main events in the apex that went 25 minutes against jairzinho and volkov and he just out struck them like they were 50 45s mm -hmm. so they were dominant and he wasn't like crushing them it was just Outstriking, so yeah. yeah. He's funny. The Jarzinho fight, <clears throat> the Jarzinho fight, like eighteen minutes of that fight was like against the fence. Yeah, yeah. With Cyril just put, pushing him against the fence and like landing knees to the legs and just it was just an inside clinch yeah. battle with like it wasn't all Heavy, that thrilling to watch. And Dana's age. the one that yeah. kind of yeah, yeah. And Dana, Dana like hammered home the the kind of boring label to those fights because he wasn't yeah. very kind i felt bisbing was it. trying to give gone that boring label in the first round if you listen to the commentary by the, by the time the fight ended bisbing was all like what a great performance but in the first round he was like i don't know if gone's looking urgent in there i was like what are you talking about dude it's like he's beating the guy here. yeah he also basically like the just the way he views reese mckee as a competitor <laughs> He was ba he basically crowned Angelosa like the next welterweight champion <laughs> because he beat Reese McKee tonight. Like it was wild. Yeah. It was insane. All right. I mean, yeah. also he he survived the last round against Reese McKee as well. <laughs> Make sure you point that part out. And Reese, and Reese McKee survived the second round just oh. just a splattering from Angelosa. That was a crazy fight. Jose to your point you made sometime earlier this week, I don't remember what time we were talking about it. When you just get the name, you know, the Irish zombie or whatever yeah, the hell, yeah, yeah. that's how you know Korean zombies dope. Yeah. <laughs> when people are labeling, giving you a zombie and your race. Love it. Yep. 
Love it. All right. Uh, what else? Talk you about got? Like, uh, co-main event. Question for the crew. Uh, Jose, we'll begin with you. Would Rose benefit from trying one camp elsewhere to freshen things up? It really seems she needs a new look and approach to get her to fire again. What does she have to lose, Jose? Mm, I think she would need another head, like a different head coach, maybe, or just try one. Because like, if, if she's not with Trevor Whitman anymore, maybe she just like, like every, everyone has their specific coaches for specific things, but then you have the guy, like the head coach that kind of puts everything together. And that's like Greg Jackson did that at Winkle, like Jackson Winkle, where like you had Winkle John do a lot of the striking and you had other guys doing jujitsu and you had guys like Izzy Martinez was down there doing a lot of wrestling stuff. And then Greg Jackson was just like the mastermind. Maybe she just needs something like that. Trevor Whitman seems to be very good at that, but like you brought up in the, when she fought in Phoenix against Wei Lee, I mean, not Wei Lee, Carla, it just seems like Pat Barry was the one steering the ship. And maybe that's, maybe that's not what she needs. Maybe she needs an unbiased person that can put it all together. Pat Barry is a very good striker. I wouldn't rely on Pat Barry at all to tell me what to do in the wrestling or grappling department. So if she thinks she needs Pat Barry to be her striking coach, then that's great. Like Pat Barry is a very good kickboxer, but I think she just needs a mastermind that is the one driving the ship when she sits down on that stool and there's someone that kneels in front of her telling what to do. Maybe she just needs a different voice that can like, like, like Tony Ferguson, when he fought Justin Gage, he didn't really seem to have a head coach. He had a bunch of specialists. And then when they threw Eddie Bravo into the, as the guy to go in there in the final round, he's like, you should do an Imanari role. I'm like, uh, probably not against Justin Gage. <laughs> that's a very bad idea. Maybe she just needs a mastermind that's like running the ship. I don't know. I don't like being the guy to tell fighters what to do with their career. It just from the outside looking in, she don't maybe don't get rid of Pat Bear if you're feeling comfortable as him as a coach, but just get a different voice as the one putting the game plan together. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you agree with the shed. Like going around and training with different people and getting different looks, I'm sure it doesn't hurt, right? Yeah. Um, look, it's. It's always very hard to say what in, what any fighter needs because all fighters are different. Uh, I largely think that most fighters ben would benefit from changing up their coaching structure every couple of years, like just just because you don't want to stagnate and this game moves so quickly and things move so rapidly. Even if you're with somebody like ATT or whatever, you're just you're going to fall into routines and you get a lot of the similar looks and the same stuff and. There are fighters like Max Holloway who can stick with one one team the whole career, and it can be incredibly successful for them. But uh, I have always thought that you should make more use of that and just get different eyeballs uh, because I think Trevor Whitman's a terrific coach. I know that he may not now. I don't know what to what extent he's now involved with her, but I think Trevor Whitman's as good a coach as there is in this sport. I think even if Rose was still working with Trevor Whitman every day, given how our last two performances have gone, a change of pace. Go, you know, go, go met, see what Rafael Cordero can teach you because Trevor Whitman's teaching you a different way to fight and maybe Cordero molds you a little more in his own image. Maybe you become much more of a pressure fighter. Rose has always been really good at kicking. Like maybe Cordero can can get her to be a little bit more proactive with that. Like 
go, I mean, ATT, I always think everyone should go to ATT. It's the best gym in the world with the best coaching staff and, and the best everything. Uh, but I mean, any of it, you know, Henry Hooft and, and company at uh, whatever they're calling themselves now, Kill Clip. Like, I, I think every fighter should change it up every couple of years, particularly if they've fallen on a hard streak. Like, just, all right, it's no, it's nothing bad about my previous coach, but let's see if something new works for me because that's just how life works. You stick at a job for 10 years and you want to change. You want something different, something to reinvigorate you. Rose seems to have gone about that by saying, yeah, I want a new challenge. I want to go up to 125. That's way freaking harder. <laughs> it would be like, what if I just challenge myself by working with new people and seeing how this goes? So I would say yes, but you really have no idea until until she does it and then we'll see if it works or doesn't. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look at Zhang Wei Li. Goes to Henry Cejudo's <laughs> camp, much different fighter. Uh, it just continues to get better. She was at Syndicate. She had like John Wood in her corner for the Amanda Lemos fight and maybe the best performance of her career. So obviously, and she's going back and forth to all different places, to Thailand and, and such. She's just, it works for some people, doesn't work for everybody. So, but yeah, but I mean, if she wants to do that and just wants to expand her horizons, no one's saying like leave Colorado forever. You know what I mean? But like, if you want to go get some looks here and there, go ahead. If there's something you want to work on, go find the best in the world and spend a couple of weeks there and then go back home and do what you normally do. We were talking a lot about Rose. Um, what did we learn from Faroe? What did, what did you, what was your takeaway from Manon's performance tonight? Did you learn anything new? Cause I thought that that was kind of like, since it's a bit of a trap fight for a minute uh, for Faroe, even though it's a big sure. name. If she wins, we're kind of like, well, Rose wasn't good. Rose wasn't good at 25, rather than saying, whoa, Manon looked amazing. So I thought Manon's takedown D was the big difference in the fight. The way she mm -hmm. stuffed Rose three or four times pretty like, pretty hard sprawls and just like, made Rose kind of pay for those takedowns, I thought that really changed the dynamic of the fight. And with, with Rose not having any of your wrestling, maybe her hand was really limiting her grappling. Uh, I thought that was a, I thought to me that kind of um, hurt, the confidence, hurt the confidence of Rose a lot in the fight. So um, what did y'all think of, of Manon's tonight? I gained a little bit of respect for her. Um, the takedown defense was less salient to me just because Rose isn't like a great wrestler. She's a functional one. She took Whaley down a bunch and like can do it. But uh, the first one I saw was enough to be like, oh, that's never going to work for Rose. Uh, she simply does not have the physicality or to, to do this with the technique barriers that exist within her at this point. So uh, I didn't take a lot from that, but um, – <clears throat> But I guess I was saying, we, been, we, when, when you took that away, when Rose knew that wasn't there, now I thought, she, oh, she's she's kind of cooked. I mean, I, I wonder how Rose, yeah. like, yeah. I, I have no idea. The things yeah. that uh, I, I will say impressed me are that I, I certainly gained a little bit of appreciation. Uh, Furo has, I mean, for most of her career, she's largely styled on people, um, not like styled on them but like chukagian she just simply knew chukagian couldn't hurt her and just threw a lot more than chukagian did and like that's just how that fight went um rose she couldn't really f track rose down that much rose was very out whenever whenever furo would throw anything rose just immediately disengaged and so it didn't let furo really keep like a super high work rate but it was really steady and i thought she was doing some pretty good things in there it was like uh, particularly with her right hook, like whenever Rose would commit to stepping in, Manon was really getting her right hook in. 
Uh, she was countering leg kicks. She didn't check a lot of them, which is an interesting thing. But as Rose started to go to kicks more, you started to see Manon register that that was coming. And here comes a left hand or a hook uh, to, to keep pace. So she was doing some things tactically, showing a little bit more to her game. Uh, than she has previously, or at least from what I've seen. So that was good, but it wasn't like, a, oh, she is, she's leveling up. It's like, yeah, she's she's getting better. She is steadily improving, and that's good. I still think she will really struggle with certainly the top two women in this weight class and uh, probably with Alexa Grasso as well, though that fight could be a lot more competitive. What did you think, Jose? What, what did you take away most from, from Manon? Oh, muted myself. Um, pretty much everything Jed said. Also, the ability to, you know, she had that massive gash on the side of her face and she kept <laughs> fighting forward because I don't think any of you were on it because I think Casey was, I, you might have been at a pro wrestling thing. And then, Mike, you were on vacation and Jed, actually, Jed, you were on it when we talked about, um, can't remember who it was, me, you, and Eric on a post show when I was producing. And I brought up the point that Rose throws a lot of cheeky headbutts a lot oh yeah and no one ever that's veteran shit right there <laughs> yeah like respect does, it that's she, some henry cejudo game she throws a lot of them so once there was a clash of heads i was like well i saw that coming about a mile away and the fact that that thing was leaking bad so i like i said with zombie the ability to fight through to, to maintain your composure in the middle of pain and blood is a big deal. Um, so in terms of her skill set, didn't learn a whole lot just because Rose just seems like the smaller fighter, but the ability to fight through damage, like, cause Jed said kind of styled on a lot of her opponents. Um, that was the biggest thing I learned, you know, you have this big leaking thing on your forehead and still be able to fight at an incredibly high level. To me, man, man and Fioro is just like, she's like, she's like Paul Molitor out there. Like old school baseball fans can understand this. <laughs> I mean, she's just nice. <laughs> she's just so solid, man. Like she is just fine hitting singles and doubles, and she's very good at it. Mm -hmm. She will just hit singles and doubles all day long and just boost that batting average up. She might flirt with four hundred. If you need her hit a home run once in a while, she'll come through if you really need her to. But she's happy hitting singles and doubles. She's a she listens, and when she's effective with what she's doing. She doesn't veer from it at all. Like when she knows she's on to something, she just sticks with it. And Jed talked about the Chicago fight. She did it here. She felt Rose, didn't feel like Rose could hurt her. She wasn't afraid of dealing with her on the feet. She wasn't afraid of Rose taking her down. I was actually kind of surprised that Manon didn't shoot more takedowns. And then I think as yep. the fight went on, Manon was like, I don't even need to try to take her down because I'm just winning all these striking exchanges. Like Rose is moving around well, but... She just couldn't even get to to man and real really in this fight. Like the third round, she had a little more success, and she had moments sprinkled throughout. But I felt very clear, very confident it was two zero heading into the third. And yep. if you scored a thirty twenty seven man in at the end, like it wouldn't have shocked me. Yeah. It was a clear man and win. And then Rose just had a little more success in the third. But yeah, singles and doubles, man, very effective in the in this fight. I Casey, to your point, I think the thing I'm going to take away from this fight and that I would love to see if like she registered, I was also surprised Mike that Menon didn't take like go for more takedowns, but I think that she just recognized that she didn't really need to in grappling with throws. Maybe 
brought in a different level of danger that was not like something she needed to. Uh, I would have loved to see her spend more time in the clinch because she beat the hell out of Rose when they were clinched up. Like every time they engaged in a clinch, Manon was was beating her up. Uh, like she landed a couple of really nice knees inside, and they didn't clinch for very long. But I thought she could have gone to that a lot more, and maybe that's an area that she can be like really good in because she is so physical and she had a lot of success, you know, tonight with that. The knees to the body were nasty in the clinch. Really, nasty. really mean shit. Like real mean stuff from her in the clinch. Yep. Yeah. Um. I learned. I guess. I mean, I, I was actually. I wasn't too high. I mean, I knew Mana was a top 10 fighter at 25, but I, I, I wasn't like, eh, I was still on the kind of defense, but I, I was impressed tonight by her performance and Rose just, I hope she goes, I hope she goes back to 15. That's all. I don't care who she fights. If she wants to work her way up, be a, a French, I don't, I don't know if, she, if, if she's okay if not being the best or working. I don't know. I just hope she goes back to 15. I just don't think 25, just 25 doesn't look right for her. It just felt off. Wasn't. I'll, t- I'll tell you I'll tell you what my other takeaway was, Jed, and I'm curious to get your take on this and was what if the UFC reversed things? What if they had done Manon versus Tyler Santos and they did Aaron Blanchfield versus Rostami Yunus? Like how much differently would we would we be looking at things right now? Like Jed, like if they did Aaron Bla- <laughs> like if Aaron Blanchfield fought Rostami Yunus tonight, how would that have gone? Uh, Aaron Blanchfield would have killed her. I said that coming up like before this fight happened. I was like, yeah, if she fights Rose, she would just kill her. Um, and again, I think Rose Namajunas might be the single most talented woman competing in mixed martial arts today. This is not me hating on Rose. This is me having a very clear understanding of the role physicality plays in combat and uh, exactly how that fight would go would be pretty bad um, because Rose is not like the best defensive wrestler and Aaron Blanchard would just crush her. Uh, conversely, sign me up to just watch Tyler Santos and Manal Firo be hosses at each other and see what just two rock solid people who are just there. Like I don't I don't know what that fight looks like. And it's probably not the most fun fight ever, but it's intriguing to me, if nothing else. So that would have been a great switch up. Uh instead we got what we got, and now there's a bit of I don't I don't know what's gonna happen. My you know, I'm gonna guess that Aaron Blanchfield gets the next title fight over Manon off this, but uh Maybe not. Maybe Manon now gets to fight for a title because she beat Rose, who's very small. It's, do we? The, I hope the UFC does not book Blanchville versus Mano, Manon. I only I, think I, they book that if they do uh, uh, a trilogy. Three, a, if a trilogy Shevchenko fight. wins. Okay. Yeah, if Shevchenko do, wins. If Shevchenko wins and they book a trilogy, I think we are for sure getting that fight, and I'm okay with that, um, even though I still think it's a little dumb. Okay, yeah, I just... Because I, I think Vancho is going to have that title eventually. And then if she beats Faro on the way to that title, then when she does have the title, like all the contenders, yeah. she's already kind of beat on the way up there. So just uh, just think about our future. So last comment, since I think we got, we got, yeah, we went an hour. Uh, where is it? The hair on this foursome could not be any different. <laughs> That's very true. What hair, baby? What hair? <laughs> what hair? What hair? Yeah, we should have we should have reversed it. We should have put you in the second slot, Casey. Jose in the third, and then Jed in the fourth. Based Pokemon on evolution. Go- yeah, we from length, from length. But Jose Jose's got the thickness factor, so we got to figure that part out. Maybe he goes fourth. But it's my yeah. uh, brown pride, baby. We got good hair. 
Well done. All right, I think we're good. Early day MMA, 7.21 p.m. Eastern. I feel Saturday like time. I feel like you undersold Paul Molitor. I think Paul Molitor was a much better baseball player than Manon Faroe was an MMA fighter. I, I it's just a comparison as the ten guesses. I can't tell you who Paul Molitor. Paul Molitor. How to spell that man's name? Whether Paul he's Molitor. righty or lefty, I can't tell. Paul you Molitor is one of I want to say four or five people in the history of baseball, which is more than a century old, to have I think three thousand hits, a three hundred career average, and five hundred stolen bases. I think I mean, that's that better than Manaparo awesome. is at MMA. Look, he also has a World Series MVP. Yeah, but can do I think Man and Fioro is going to play like 27 seasons in the How many UFC? dingers? No. <laughs> How many dingers did Paul I think 300? I think 300. Well, but over on. like Chicks 37 seasons. Yeah. yeah. 10 a year? I mean, he had like... Molitor had like... He, stole the, he, had, he had 10... He stole home. He stole home like a dozen times in his career. Look, Man yeah, had a fight awesome. before... Look, Manon stole home when she fought Victoria Leonardo, so it's not like she's never had the chance. All to I'm home. saying is, Paul Molitor is very good at baseball, and Manon Faroe is good at MMA. Love y'all! Neither let you down. Good night, everybody. <laughs> You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.